What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Boyce, and this is another episode of The Facts Project. Today, two special guests, two amazing people who have been on the show in the past and are here to talk about the conclusions of their great stories. One, we got Brian Lambert, who is the creator of and founder of Wingless Comics, and he has his story of Nightfall coming to his conclusion. And then we have Jeffrey L. Johnson, who has his storyline of Ennead coming to his conclusion. Thank you both, you brothers, for being here once again. Uh, thank you for having us, having me, and, and and having this platform, bro. Yeah, man. Look, look. It, it if it feels like it's it's full circle. Both of you brothers, I highly respect in this game of 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 course creating comics in a in a certain manner in a certain way in order for the the viewers alone to basically have fun with the with the characters and the storylines that you create. So. It's only right. Uh, I'll, I'll throw the ball to you first, Brian, because as as we currently know, uh, your Kickstarter has pretty much been in full swing for about, I'd say, what, 10 days now? Yeah, yeah, just about. Yeah, man. And we're right now we're in Nightfall uh, episode four. Yeah, so we're actually four and five. five four is, and five uh, together, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're dropping, like you said, the conclusion of this. We're dropping them both at the same time because we... I shouldn't say we, I keep saying we, right? Like, I really, really just wanted to get this story out. So even though I did get some advice, I'm like, oh, no, you should, you know, do one issue and then do the next. And I was like, nah, nah, like this, it, it's really, um, in my opinion, a double-sized issue. It does tie up the whole thing, sets the stage for what we're going into next in terms of wingless comics um, and the narrative. Uh, it's just, it's a great time, man, because, um as a, as a young creator, even before I really actually started doing comic books for real, I always wanted to do a crossover. I always wanted to, you know, everybody always matches their characters up with everybody else's that they're cool with. Um, so I actually get to do that and make money doing it, you know, and have fun with my friends. So it's been a, a huge honor and, 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 uh, and a headache and a blessing and a curse all in one, you know. I, I mean, I feel like the the journey has come full circle because it feels like, I, well, I, of course, me remembering when the start of this happened, uh, yourself, uh, Wingless Comics, Concept Moon, Constant Hustle Comics, bringing along all these characters to start up this whole storyline in Nightfall to the point where more people have added pieces in there and even worlds have been created outside of there, notably through with Jeffrey, who is right here with us. Yeah, man, I'm going to say real quick before before JL gets on, man, him. So we met, obviously, through Kickstarter um, on two separate projects. Actually, I think it was Justice, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 he was on any at the same time. And we talked about just doing some cross promo. And I remember getting the message. Right. And I've gotten a couple of them. And I'm sure he has by this time now where some random person's like, yo, we should do cross promo. Right. They, they haven't ever followed your campaign. They didn't put a dime into it. They don't care. But they see you've got momentum. Uh, he was completely different. He was like, yo, this is a thing I'm doing. I think it's dope. You should check it out. I'm going to do some cross promo for you if you say it's cool. And if you want to do some cross promo for me, that'll be dope. Um, and we started a really lengthy conversation after that about Tolkien and world building and lore. And I, I met this amazingly deep and intellectual person, you know what I mean, through kind of happenstance. Um, and from that, man, he hit me a, a month or two or three later with this like story. Right. So it's no joke when he's like, yo, I got this story from a poem I wrote because he literally just sent me like 
a three stanza poem. And I was like, I don't get it, but it sounds fresh. He was like, look, this is what it's going to do. And, and we had a couple calls and we stayed on the phone and man, it just, this dude's, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever gone on record talking about somebody else's imagination, right? Like this dude's imagination is not, it, it's not out there. It's just so vast, right? That like any ad is one corner of it. And then you're like, oh, Saber Initiative is another corner of it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a very vast and, and world building experience, which in my opinion, at this level um, of craftsmanship is very rare, um, especially in indie comics. You got a lot of people that want to build stuff, right? But the level of craftsmanship and the work he puts in was amazing. So I've been very fortunate. And it's, bro, it's really dope to have somebody swing off of your idea in like a dope manner. Because everybody's like, oh yeah, we should do a crossover. And our heroes meet like, bro, I just wrote that story. And he's like, nah, I got a completely new window and new way and path to take Wingless out of. It's going to be fire. Trust me. I'm going to give you the blueprint. So then you do trust me. And I was like, yes. Dope. Dope. Jeffrey, do you do you recall this 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 entire conversation? Absolutely. Uh, you know, and it, it's hard to, to, to follow up accolades like that. But thank you, Brian. Um, you know, one of the one of the the first things that I did after you know receiving justice, obviously, you read what you what you just supported, and um, you know I, I do try to work through Kickstarter as an extension of the rest of the social media platforms that I use. So I try to be social on them. You know, we forget that, right? Like we're always trying to get the like and the follow, and not necessarily meet the person on the other side. And and so that was the first thing, and, and Brian touched on that. But then when I read justice i had I, I had that poem I had, and i had that poem sitting in a file um you know for any like hey this is the bookend this is any a couple hundred years in the future and this poem has you know really it, it really sits at the center of this faith and this faith will do battle with this and i was trying to make it fit in this kind of future futuristic version of any that i really didn't have a desire to build um, and so I, but you know, like any writer, you don't, you don't toss out any idea. Um, I could go, I could go to my notes app on my phone and I could, I have ideas from, you know, 2012, one that sits in there it might make its way into Sabre. Um, you know, it's just about a, a particular character who just walks around with a trench coat and, and in that trench coat, he has three very particular things in his pocket. And that's all it is. One day that idea will manifest itself into something. But this poem sat like that until I read Justice. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, this would create a great antagonist, whether that's an antagonistic group or antagonistic character within this universe. And that was when I hit Brian and I was like, well, look, you know, I, I read Justice. I, I, maybe, I, maybe I waited until after I read Nightfall because maybe, because I know for sure when I read Nightfall, it's like, oh yeah, this is definitely gonna make sense. Um, and so I hit him up after that and, you know, long story short, he, he kind of shared the rest, but I, I absolutely remember it. I remember where I was sitting when we first, uh, when we first had the conversation after I sent it, I was, uh, I was living with my in-laws at the time and I was in their basement. Um, and, and, you know, he, he responded and, and we, like he said, we stayed on the phone for a long time and we, we talked about big two and influences that the big two has on indie comics, and superhero comics in general, and how no one's really doing crossovers like they used to in the big two. And, and so, yeah, man, I, I definitely remember. And, and I'm very excited to take the next step with Saber Initiative. You know, as all of us know, indie comics is a it's a long game and it moves slow. And, and But it doesn't move slow by accident. I think it moves slow on purpose. You know, or at least it should move slow on purpose. 
And so a big part of what happens in the Sabre Initiative is in the ashes of the fallout of Nightfall. So mm-hmm. it's only right that we, we give the tease and then we pull back and we let Nightfall do what it does because the world will look different when Nightfall ends. And when it does, that's when uh, the Sabre Initiative will, will make its mark. Yeah, I, I've actually like uh, I've, I've heard of people making fan fictions based on storylines wrapped around either like the Justice League or the Avengers, given through the point of view of the actual people who observed all the cataclysm that was happening around, you know, like the the terror that was happening within the city, say if there was like a, a monstrous battle or anything like that. So I, I look at the Saber Initiative as for myself, it's like, okay, in hindsight, there's of course the main main protagonists uh, and, and, and antagonists that are basically formulating this entire story, but yet on the ground, literally, reporting everything that's happening like basically throughout just different points of view that's overlooking the main sequence of what's going on in the story it's it's fascinating because we often forget about the moving pieces you have uh, major major uh, characters in movies but yet you have these extras little do you know that the extras also have a storyline in this in this sequence as well. And, and if I can, just to jump in, you know, I think as a consumer of media, as a consumer of these, these big budget tales and, and, and these really long arching stories, one, you know, like Lord of the Rings and like uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, you know, just to dip it, my, my toes into the fantasy water a bit. Um, that's what I love the most. I love the feeling of, well, yeah, I know that they just decimated this city fighting these robots over here, but what what's going to happen to the dude whose car got stepped on and, and the guy whose, you know, mother was was in that building and and that's where my head goes. Like, yes, the the, the cinema of it all and the action of it all is is enticing, but when that's over, it's that slow burn of what would the world actually look like. And so I often find myself there as a storyteller and it just so happened that wingless was in a space where they were doing just that. And that's one of the things I think is, you know, people might who, who are either new to nightfall and wingless or don't understand what's going on. I think they, they see a crossover, they hear the idea of a crossover and they think, well, this is just an attention grabber. This is just to, you know, make a lot of money on Kickstarter. And this is just X, Y, and Z, but, really what's happening is is the wing versus being shaped and you know i think a big mistake that a lot if i can say this a big mistake that a lot of indie creators make is they have they tell stories with no purpose and i'm not saying you need to have an agenda or a political message or anything like that if you do you do if you don't you don't people will interpret what they interpret anyway out of your stories but when you're just telling me superhero does x because bad guy did y um i lose interest quickly and Mm -hmm. what i think people may not know yet and, and hopefully will understand when they see how Nightfall wraps is that this wasn't just a story for story's sake. This sets the precedent for Wingless going forward for the next, you know, X amount of years. Um, I, I have an idea on that, but I stopped myself because I don't want to get in trouble for sharing that. Ah, <laughs> I, I almost got an exclusive out of that. That was waterproof, man. So I think one of the things too is to, to piggyback off what you're saying is a theme, right? Like, 
you if you get 10 indie creators on here right and you don't ask what their story is but what's the theme of justice what's the theme of saber what's the theme of nightfall they're going to be a lot who fall short because it is you know hero does x because villain does y right it's like the it's the um, saturday morning cartoon formula which is fun right but at the same time that has an expiration date and mm -hmm. comics have shown it has an expiration date cartoons have shown that it has an expiration date um one of the triumphs i think of nightfall is our joint publishing deal with um with constant hustle comics now so since i started nightfall i had the plan in the back of my head i was like bro i'm gonna publish avery like i'm gonna get avery over there because the narrative matched so well um and i had to i've been asking lawrence since issue one and then i asked him again in issue two then I wait a little while, then like, hey, man, this is why it makes sense. Here's this package, because um, like JL said, it, it really is about building out um, building out a world narrative uh, on multiple levels. Avery is a certain type of character. Justice is a certain type of character. You're taking care of all these. You're taking care of the spiritual. You're taking care of the lore. You're taking care of the common man. You're taking care of the comedy. Um, so all those things can can run through every book. Otherwise, I mean, you can always do it. So I'm not saying you can't my preferred method of doing it is setting the stage so you already have that in the back of your mind you go into a caliburn book and you're like oh man a lot of people are like oh man caliburn's my dude he looks dope as hell so when they see him interact and he'll make like a witty joke or whatever while facing imminent you know death yeah no one's taken by surprise it's not it's not one of those things where like oh they just did that just because no that's his personality that we set up before so now you see where he's going now you see the the duality of him and justice you see the the angst between with her you know what i mean like it, it adds those elements and it allows everyone all of the creators to not have to go back and do an origin story and not have to build up exactly why they act the way they act because you've already seen it in action as opposed to to telling it again on the page which i find immensely boring mm. now um i often hear and me being a, a big basketball fan I often hear from a lot of coaches whenever they're in the playoffs or anything like that, they always say the hardest game is the closeout game. The hardest game is the one that you basically got to finish the team off in order to basically like move to the next round. How do you guys formulate your conclusions? Because the both of you are pretty much narrowing up the end of your stories and pretty much bringing the audience to this ultimate climax. I'll start with you, Jeffrey. You know, it's it's difficult and it's something that um, I realized was going to be harder than I anticipated when I finished issue one. I realized probably when I was bringing issue three and four um, to readers. Uh, and, and so what I did is I went and I, I hired an editor. So that was the first thing. Mm. Um, and, and not not because I felt like I needed line editing. I needed to know that I was paying off these promises because one of the things that I really am... I like to think I'm, I'm threading the needle on nicely is fantasy meeting the comic book medium, right? It's not just a fantasy story that's stuffed to fit here um, because it's the easiest place to tell a story. It's, it's because I, I, I appreciate what comics do in that episodic nature of telling stories. But at the same time, um, like, like Brian just said, you know, there's this, there's this whole world taking place. And so each issue we're trying to address you know, the, the geopolitical, the, the, the local, the, uh, 
the, the military aspect, the, the the lore, the magic, the spirituality, and then the the common man. You know, so we're 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 trying to carry and 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 hold all these plates at once. So as I got to about the middle of this arc, I knew that I thought I was paying these promises off. So I had to make sure that someone else who was unbiased, had never seen the story before, would see it also. And luckily for me, they did. You know, I, I laid the groundwork early on and I, and I made some things abundantly clear and then some other things were under the surface. But hopefully when people see book one through book seven, they'll recognize what I'm doing. But, but to give a, a clearer answer to that, you know, I'm staying true to the story that I wanted to tell. And that's a patient story. It's a slow story. It's a story that's rich. It's a story that's uh, set in a very particular context. And it's one that um, can't be rushed. So when I think about this closeout game, you know, for me, you know, to use that analogy, uh, I, I'm not trying to blow out the team by 30. I don't care if I win on a last second free throw. I don't care if we, we get a, a LeBron James, Andre Iguodala type do, uh, block to save the game. You know, however we win, we win. Uh -huh. um, and and so for me however this thing closes out if it pays off the promises that i laid out by the time i get to the end of arc two and the end of arc three yeah maybe this didn't have the glitz and the glam that some indie comics have um but that's because i was telling the story with a purpose mm -hmm. and, and again not an uh, not an agenda but a purpose i knew where i wanted my characters to go, to go. i know my characters i know the decisions they would make and they wouldn't make that decision because it's the popular decision or because it would be that twist that you weren't expecting. They make a decision because they're a particular person in a particular time and a particular place and they're doing what's best to them for them and what makes the most sense to them. So I'm just trying to win the game. <laughs> I don't need to blow up. Gotcha. Same question, Brian. How's, um, how's this closeout game, game looking for you? So I actually feel like, honestly, I feel like the closeout was issue three right like i mean i know that we're still playing right now but um i would there's always a turning point in in, in and i've been in, in an athlete as long as i can remember excuse me remember jesus i couldn't speak though um <laughs> so there's always like a turning point right when you know one team gets the momentum and they're going to win and they're going to shift right and you're we are talking about closeout games but some of them especially if you're talking about pros it's it's a matter of fact after a minute you know, Jordan mm -hmm. hits the shot game four. You're like, oh, bro, they got it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a wrap. And so I feel like um, Nightfall part three was that because it was, it was, it was a little difficult to be honest with you. It was um, one Nightfall one was like the start of, okay, I had launched justice number one and that did really well. But I also feel like your very first comic book, every aunt you've ever met is going to put in on it. Every person you've ever met, they're going to support you on that one. Right. right. So you get a lot of people get higher totals on their first one. And then that next book they release, it drops down and it's it can be kind of jarring for people. Um, we had prepared for that. So after releasing, obviously, Justice, number one, we did Nightfall, number one. And it was yeah, it, it obviously it was successful. It did well. We funded it. Well, it didn't fund as high as Justice, number one, but I had already planned for that part. Number two was was easier because people were now you know, oh, okay, we're into this story, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Number three, people were kind of getting impatient. Like, now nah, you're telling a story, but what exactly are you telling me? What exactly are we getting here, right? So that was like a little bit of a struggle to, one, keep people engaged, two, continue telling the story true to what I wanted to tell, um, and, and three, kind of push the entire narrative forward. So I feel like, 
like I said, I, I feel like part three was that closeout game. Mm-hmm. And part four and five, they're just, you know, they're the beauty of the celebration at this point to me. Um, there are a couple panels that have been actually released. Um, there's a panel of Avery flying up to finally fight, you know, Apep. Bro, it's gorgeous. You know what I mean? Like, and no one can take that away because that's part of the narrative that was written like two years ago. It's been in the works the entire time. So getting to that place is just, it's all butter at this point, man. Like, I love it. Um, and four and five, especially launching two comics at once, it's great, but it's it's not um, difficult as it were. It's, it's not a struggle, right? There are some campaigns where it's a struggle. You've got to fight for every inch and it really is a battle. Um, this is not one of them. This, is, this has been pure joy. We've gotten great, great, great support um, so far. It's just been, honestly, it's been amazing. And so I love seeing this prepare to close out, right? Because I know what the end is. I know what happens, right? I'm even more than for the fans and for the people who are following it. Like I want issue five because I know what's there. I've already, I've already read it. And so seeing Fabio and Nestor and what they do with the pages and how they can translate what I saw in my head directly onto the page. Like that's where I want to be. Like that's the the moment that I'm waiting for. So I can hold it in my own hands and flip through it, which is something that I haven't allowed myself to do um, with any of my previous comics. You know, I'll look at them, but I haven't sat to enjoy flipping through a completed story because I don't have a completed story. All right. So question between the both of you and in the conclusion of both these stories, because you've you've allowed me to at least see uh, the tidbits of the exclusive endings uh, to, of course, issue seven for Jeffrey, issue five uh, for you. Ultimately, throughout this story, each of your chief protagonists, whether it's been Avery in Nightfall or whether it's been Unatu in Ennead, they've been holding on to this secret that they even they haven't even been talking about throughout the majority of these issues. Now we're starting to see, like in in Ennead, we're starting to see Unatu like formulate this deep family history that's garnered into like a bunch of magic that he's been withholding information from the entire time. So like I've been watching this spaghetti Western of his unfold, this traveling wanderer going from town to town, introducing himself and meeting, meeting new people with starting up all these adventures. Little did we know about the man all of a sudden piece by piece, you know, the puzzles start to like add up and everything. And you kind of like get the inclination of who this person is. And then it starts to bold over. Now, no, he withheld the six pages that probably would have showed that <laughs> from me. <laughs> but I saw the last page and I was like, damn it. <laughs> and, and then and in Nightfall, you know, I, ultimately, I remember when I when I read episode one um, and I was like, damn, Prime just got fucking annihilated <laughs> like in episode one and i was like okay there's one of probably like the biggest heroes in this story just already wiped out so i, I i'm i'm looking at it like okay where's this gonna go and it damn it i you, you know i felt bad after episode one the issue one because i felt sexist <laughs> because i felt sexist because i i did not think that avery was going to be the one that was going to show up and show out. I'm sitting there thinking justice, justice, justice is over here, overtacking in my brain and everything like that. And little do we know the the emergence of Lux was going to going to show up in this one. And then 
all of a sudden out of nowhere, Avery's just like basically taken over. At, she's the scene stealer in, in half these issues. And then yet again, this final battle is going to ensue and Avery's going to like show off. So ultimately, I just feel like y'all were y'all withheld information. <laughs> well, you know, so you spelled um, you spelled great storytelling uh, incorrectly. Yeah, it's, it's uh, sorry about that. No, yeah. OK, so so what on the on the business end, right, what was really important to me when I first had the idea for it? Um, OK, so a little background. I originally had the idea for Nightfall and it was with a different company. Okay. So um, a lot of people know that I started out in the comics industry with Concrete Comics. Yep. So I feel like people can make the analogies of who was who, who can make the links of, again, if I'm just giving out a summary of what Nightfall is going to be before I actually sit down and write it, you can make the connections of who would have been who um, in the storyline. Um, and that was the original, honestly, the original just idea. Uh, once I started writing it and I had um, left Concrete Comics and shouts out to those guys. They just had like a way weekend mm -hmm. um, this weekend and stuff and, and, and yep. Lonzo and the guys. Um, so once I started writing it, I approached uh, I approached Lawrence, I approached a couple other people and I sold it based on it not being a justice story. A lot of again, I think a lot of indies and this comes from. I don't want to say a lack of a writing background. I feel like it's more ego, right? We always want our characters to be the best. Oh man, Justice could beat Superman and da-da-da-da-da, right? Like all these characters that like, it really doesn't make sense for you to say that because nobody beats Superman. Like it's in the DC contract, right? Um, so I wanted to make sure that the people that I worked with didn't feel like they were playing second fiddle to Justice. Right. Also, I feel like narratively it works better um, without going into what happens in issue four, most people have already seen issue three, so it's not a spoiler because it's been out for a couple months. It makes narrative sense that he's besieged and somebody that's not a player on this level, but has power on this level is the one that does what needs to be done, right? Like Avery, at the heart of Avery's character, even in Constant Hustle and issue one of Avery, Avery is someone who gets shit done. Yeah. So it, it, it wouldn't make sense for me to have Avery come in to nightfall and then not get shit done. Like, oh, justice, help me. Like, what? That's, it yeah, doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make logical sense. Yeah, yeah. And um, as for Lux, um, Lux is a very important character to me personally as well. I wrote Lux, the character for my sister. Um, and my sister is going to be taking up uh, the series herself. She's going to be uh, pinning the ongoing Lux series. Lux Zero is going to be in Justice Issue 3. But it's, I also feel like it's really important um, that while we continue to diversify comics we're showing black faces i'm a black man obviously my main character is a black man that we also shine that light and open those doors for the other marginalized groups within our community right it's important that we show that little black girls can have an afro and be dope and super powerful and teleport and have fun and do whatever right because they're still they still lack those images um and i think that it would be a misuse of my platform and also the misuse of a really dope character if she didn't do some really cool shit, you know what I mean? Like I love her interaction with Caliburn. It's important. And it's, and it sets the, the, the pieces for everything else. I love her interaction with Avery, which will also go into the Avery ongoing series. There's a reason that they connect the way they do. And the reason Avery treats uh, Lux the way she does, you know what I mean? So um, like Dale said earlier, 
while I feel like we're telling a pretty cool story, obviously, because I wrote it. So I think it's awesome. We're also setting the stage for all the relationships, for all the interactions that are going to come later. And if you guys think that like Nightfall is the last crossover we do, like that's that's a mistake (laughs) because there will be many many more and 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 we're going to be able to bring in stuff like the saber initiative and immortalis and on and on and on as we continue to build dope that do you do you feel like you 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 find uh jeffrey do you feel like inatu is finally coming to his own in in this final series like it, that you've been wanting to showcase who he who he truly is and his true power and then all of a sudden now yeah okay time to let let the cat out the bag you know, it's it's interesting because I said something before, um, and and this this I, my politician hat is on. You can't see it, um, but I said something before, and people are going to interpret your stories how they interpret your stories. So I will leave your interpretation as what it is, but I will still try to address your question. Um, and and I think the it's all about being patient, right? Because what I want people to recognize is that when I sat down to write any of the Rule of Nine. 250 pages came out one like not at one time I would have been glued to my chair but if my wife were here to attest I I sat down for 12 hours a day this thing came out right after COVID hit so I Mm -hmm. work at a gym my gym was closed for months so Mm -hmm. I was 12 14 hours a day in front of my computer writing any of the rule of nine so any of the rule of nine was crafted and when it came out, it was 250 pages worth of story. We're at about 160 right now. Mm-hmm. So although this is a seminal moment in each one of the major viewpoint character story, this is by no means a, a an end, right? It, it is certainly a, a, a level up. You know, I, I like to think of um, stories as cyclical, right? You know, you have your your different models for storytelling, but there's this the cyclical model that brings characters round and round again to you know, their next challenge and, and who they think they are at a given period of time. So Anatu has pretty much gone through the first arc. And although he's a lot of people's favorite character, two things still remain true. I think Anatu might have 20 lines of dialogue in 160 pages worth of comics. He might have 20. Um, I agree. <laughs> and so that's one. And, 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 and two, he wasn't there in those initial 250 pages. Um, he wasn't. He did not exist. Anatu was a character that was created after a few rounds of alpha and beta reading when folks felt like the story was disjointed. So Anatu is um, a very special character to me. He, he is central to the story. Um, but we still don't know much about who this character is because almost in the same way that Nightfall isn't a justice story, um, Issue one, or excuse me, volume one of any, it is not a not too story. It's true. Um, and so I, I don't want to downplay that moment that you saw. The moment you saw a seminal um, in what he does and who he becomes. But if you, as someone who's read it, you know, I can call your attention back to issue four. And, and you can, you can, you know, think about the events there with Niawi and, and what she saw. Um, and, and you can start to see a little bit of a, a thread there, hint, hint, wink, wink and what is going on um, uh, behind the scenes. And so I'm being, I'm being intentionally vague now, and I'm also being intentionally vague within volume one because the story is so much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, yes, we are starting to see more of who he is, but I would say that 
volume one when when we're at when we're doing this again in another two years and, and that next crossover is out and Sabre Initiative is a couple of issues in and and any it is is reaching the end of volume two, you're gonna look back and, and I'm gonna remind you of this, you're gonna say, oh, you so you, you really still hadn't told me much yet, had you? And and, and that is my and that's my goal. <laughs> I, I agree because uh upon reading the first issue, I fail to remember that the subline for the first issue is the rule of nine. It is not any ad unatu. <laughs> You know, so like we, I, I feel as though that we're still a ways to go because I know there's another, there's another couple of arcs that have to take place and everything like that. So the fact that in the midst of world building, there's a whole lot of world we haven't seen. Absolutely, and and you know, and, and when I chose the name, um, any of the rule of nine, it was really because this the idea of the rule of nine was so. Um, ingrained in my mind and you know we we're the world is an ever-changing and ever-evolving place and I don't want to be tone deaf to things going on politically but I also don't want to necessarily go down that rabbit hole that's not what we're here to discuss but I think about the rule of nine as the classroom equivalent of the perfect type of democratic republic right you know mm -hmm. you you have um uh, an honorable group of nobles, you know, almost an oligarchy of sorts that decides, although power is evenly distributed among us, that's not going to work without a veto a uh, power, you know, a, a, a head. And so that's what the rule of nine is. It's nine noble houses that have decided that they need term limits. So they set rather long term limits, three generations is a long time, but they set term limits. Mm. And on top of that, they impose a monarchical kind of head on top of their oligarchy. And that's where the, the that's really what the role of nine is. And so I wanted to explore that idea. I wanted to explore a world where that idea was trying to birth itself. And so what we get in volume one is we get a look at the king and the queen, the, the traditional heads of the first Enneid, um, the third generation, and, and we put them in between a rock and a hard place. They're supposed to abdicate power to live up to the rule of nine, but all we keep seeing is thickening plots, whether it's the king out on the battlefield and, and things getting a little tougher to deal with and seeming like he's anning up for something bigger. And then the queen, you know, who's holding down the fort at home, um, seeing some, you know, some new faces or familiar faces rather, um, that seem to have different intentions than, than we, we might have assumed they would have. And so we get this intrigue of, do we let the, the rule of nine do what it's supposed to do and put the Republic at risk? Or do we do what people with power often do and, and, and in times of stress, do we grip tighter, right? And so, again, I think, although any of the rule of nine is the the main focus i'm still being very very slow there as well and and you know one thing that and i didn't i don't think i expressed this to you yet but when you read uh, the first 30 pages of or 31 pages of, of book seven um you said something to me about anatu's character and you interpreted and you read his story as a major growth point um, and I and I was very happy that you read it that way, because he didn't, you know, no, he, he didn't kill anybody. He didn't, you know, he didn't no. start flying. Mm -mm. Um, 
his mom didn't die on screen. Nope. He, he, so for you to interpret that and see that for what I wanted it to be, which is this major point in his development, uh, let me know that the tone of my story is where I want it to be. Uh, you, you have to pay attention. You have to want to read. You have to enjoy fantasy to enjoy any of it. But um, 100%, this is, this is the story right now of the Republic Kingdom of Athea. And Anatu just so happens to find himself in the middle of it. But that doesn't mean he doesn't come with his own context and his own backstory and his own stuff. Um, so again, it, it's not his story just yet, um, but he'll, he'll find a way to make his mark. Dope. Now, um, there's a common thread between both your stories, and that common thread is magic. And it seems to revolve around the both of your stories, regardless if, if, uh, if, if Brian's story uh, revolves around a lot of mythology or whether it's yours with fantasy. What does magic mean to you as far as how you're creating your storylines, Brian? Um, I think it's necessary. And, and I mean that on a couple of levels. Um, I feel like I feel like we're at a place in, in life in general, right? Where science is king and you know, on and on and on. And I'm not discounting science at all. But there are a lot of things that we can't explain with science. And if you go on the, the slightly more religious level, right, there are things that like science, quote unquote, can't know, right? Like, but I feel like all those ideas are married, um, in my opinion. Uh, Bible says, like, God said, let there be light. And then there was light. Okay. Science says the Big Bang happened. Like, why aren't they the same? You know what I mean? Why is it one just describing the other? Uh, why is it, you know, that, that's the, that's the link to me of, of, of magic and reality. There are always going to be things that we can't explain. And I watched, uh, it was like Neil deGrasse Tyson one time and a guy was like, oh, the, basically like God did it. Like they couldn't, it was a scientific theory. They couldn't really explain. And he was like, God did it. And, and Neil deGrasse Tyson was like, bro, are you really going to go down that road? Because if you're just saying all the things that you can't explain, or you don't know why it happened is like God, like that makes him real finite real quick. Right. Um, and so I like having that element. Also, if we're being realistic about it, um, black culture, African-American culture is infused with magic on a number of different levels, right? You do have the religious piece in America that we were taking down that path, right? But then you do have these old cultures, Haitian, Vodou, you know what I mean? Like all these other things, right? And we, even when we talk about mythology, mythology, mythology is a religion where a religion somebody believed. It might be antiquated now or we call it whatever, but Magic was infused in all of that. Magic is infused in, in Christianity. And I know that people don't want to hear that and people don't want to believe it. But like, if you actually read the book there, bro, Moses had a staff and he threw down a staff and it became a snake that ate three other staff snakes. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we try to act like, oh, because it's something that we believe someone else wouldn't view it as magic right. or, you know, a phenomenon or a mythology. And so with the wing verse, and coming from that religious background and, and my mother's an ordained minister and my family, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, it doesn't negate what I believe or don't believe or what other people do or don't believe. I try to take a, an outside view of all of it as if, okay, I say it all the time. Justice is an angel who came down. It's not like a theory. Is he maybe what? No, no. In, in my world, literally he's an angel who came down. Okay. So now you have another mythological character that's from, 
you know, an Aesir, another hierarchy, another pantheon. Okay, he came down too. They probably know each other because they've been in the world for X amount of thousands of years, you know what I mean? Or in the behind the scenes, quote unquote, magical world for, you know, for however long. I think it's um, a little bit of fallacy when we don't put some kind of magical MacGuffin into superhero comics because then all of them are the boys, right? Like then you have like, oh, this super dude got a magic serum. I mean, a, a scientific serum and made him super and now he can kill everybody. Like I, I like the boys. Do I find that fun within everything I do? No. I, do I want things to be unexplained or unexplainable? Tolkien had once famously said like, um, there's this character, Tom Bombadil in the uh, Lord of the Rings books. He doesn't come out in the movies, um, but he's in the books. And they asked him, because he does some stuff in the books that nobody should be able to do, like Fan puts on the ring, it doesn't affect him, he knows a bunch of stuff. And Tolkien was like, so is is he, you know, what what is he? Is he God? Is he blah, 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 blah. And Tolkien was like, I don't know. He was like, sometimes it's great to have things that even you don't know, the things mm -hmm. that may surprise you, because that's where good storytelling comes from. And so while I feel like, again, like, I feel like it's a, it'd be a fallacy if you had power of this scale, right, and not magic. I hate, well, I don't hate, but it absolutely makes me mad, even though I love them. Like you have like a, a Japanese horror movie, right? And you have like some evil entity that like, it's impossible to beat. It frustrates me. Cause I'm like, what? Ain't, ain't no magic. Ain't no secret code. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's gotta be a way to even this stuff out, right? If we're talking about angels, dude is, he's wearing Excalibur on his arm, Merlin's in there, like all these different things. There's gotta be a way for you, like your average human to um, even this out to continue the storytelling because otherwise, why didn't they just wipe everybody out, right? And it's only the magic users, only the powerful are here. That is the ultimate conclusion of that level of power. Um, unless you have some kind of, unless you have an Avery, okay, so scientifically she got whatever she got and now, you know, blah, blah, blah. Unless you have a Lux, oh, she's the Fae blessed her with, you know what I mean? Like, I wanna say that, that it, at its heart, wingless comics, is a continuation of all the mythologies that we love. Like, as we look at Greek mythology, as we look at the Fae, as we look at Norse mythology, as we look at all of these different things, all of these different lores, and we love these stories as we take them now, Wingless Comics to me is the next step in that, in bringing them together, finding the commonality and telling these big epic tales mm -hmm. um, that, that will eventually be, I don't know, I guess part of the, the human zeitgeist and, and we all get to, you know, oh, man, we grew, I grew up on wingless mythology, you know what I mean? Like, that would be my dream, like, more anything else, right. 50 years from now, some kid is like, oh, yeah, I grew up on wingless mythology, like, yo, because uh, I think that's what good storytelling is, it's not limiting yourself to, like, what you've seen before, and telling a Superman story just with, like, a different dude's face on there, I'd rather tell a very all-encompassing, magical unbound by like well you know the speed of light is 77 parsecs and you can i don't care bro i'm not doing that kind of research i'm mm. gonna say it's a magic portal and then you can't stop me that's what i want you know what i mean right. i want the fantasy of fantasy there, there are so many things in that answer that for me just personally highlight why um, i think ryan and i clicked when we first spoke um, but just a few of them one that neil degrasse tyson 
quote. I literally, when you asked that question, I was going to say that. Yes. <laughs> the other thing, uh, you know, you and you didn't exactly say it, but you, you, you hinted at it, and that's, you know, magic, just like religion, just like science. These things are tools, and for me, those are three different things, right? Magic, religion, and science are. They, you you can ask the same question, and if you took one of those perspectives, each of those perspectives, you, you'd get three different answers. And so, within any of the rule of nine, magic, just like religion, and what you know, I refer to as alchemy, but it's, it's science. Um, they're, they're, they're three different things and they're three distinct tools that different people use at different times. Um, and so magic for me is just that, it's a tool, it's a storytelling tool. And it's not the, you know, um, deus ex machina and all that, like coming in to, to, to save the day, right? But it's a tool to, um, to, to show you something like I did with Anatu, right? Like there's, there are magical elements in his story that have really been uh, infused the entire way and it was just a matter of time when when they were introduced to him more specifically and, and more blatantly and when they were introduced to the audience you know I'm, I'm a big proponent of uh, learning things alongside the people in the story right so you also kind of alluded to this as well Brian that you know sometimes when you, when you reference Tolkien sometimes you don't know the answer Sometimes your characters don't know the answer. And the only way that your character doesn't know the answer, by the way, for anybody who's listening to this, uh, you know, from a perspective, uh, trying to understand something about writing and storytelling, the only way your character doesn't know something is if you allow yourself not to know something. If you genuinely don't know the answer, um, you, you have to write yourself out of it in real time. And that's where some of the truest moments come from. And that's also why I think Anatu is the character that so many people gravitate towards because he was the character who to steal from George R. R. Martin a bit, you know, he talks about writing yourself out of a paper bag, right? You get yourself into this problem and then you sit there and how do you get yourself out of it as a writer? And it, it should be, if it's going to be a story worth reading, connected to how your character also gets themselves out of that problem. It shouldn't be ham-fisted, you know? And so to just loop back and, and, and speak more specifically on what magic does in any you know what magic magic is a lot of things it's it's um, a lot of unanswered questions it, it, it's wrapped up in a lot of the lore it's wrapped up in a lot of the different faiths and religions and how they view other cultures and and so you know magic is is a central part of the story but it also but that doesn't mean it's a central part of everybody in the story's life and there's a very particular reason for that um, and that has more to do with the alchemy and the religion and what those two factions have had to say about some of the magical elements in world and just to not spoil anything take it back to our own you talk about Moses and the staff just turning into a snake right well the scientists could say well that was actually just a particular type of snake that's now extinct and here's the xyz evidence for why that was actually a snake that Moses was carrying maybe it was a snake charmer right bible took place in the middle east and, and that's close to indian culture and that's why they're dancing cobras in the street you could answer that however you want from a scientific archaeological perspective but then you could flip it and you can take it to the religious side and do what you have done with the text and, and say that he was imbued with power by god to be able to do these things or maybe it was just fucking magic maybe moses knew how to turn wooden staffs into snakes and some <laughs> other dudes did too and and they fought like maybe that actually happened so right. depending on which perspective you take, which tool you choose to use, you can shape your narrative appropriately. And, and I think um, I know that that is what 
Wingverse does because I have read the titles within Wingverse and I've read the end of, of Nightfall. And I know that that's what I'm actively trying to do because again, it's always about um, creating the context for this story to take place for these characters to live in and grow and, and be challenged. Dope. Now, uh, with how many books that you guys have eventually put out, I believe, of course, with Jeffrey, you put, you put out seven issues of Ennead. Brian, along with the five issues of Nightfall, you putting out uh, basically shorts of uh, Caliburn. You, you put out uh, two volumes of Justice. Uh, Lux, of course, getting her zero, uh, her zero issues that are about to drop as well. When you guys are looking at it, how much have you learned about yourself as a writer? Continuing on and putting these characters on paper. And then to, like, like we talked about it earlier, the conclusions of both of your stories. How much of it have you learned about yourself putting these characters to pages and actually developing comics? Brian? I, um, um, I've learned a ton, right? And, and, and some of this is going to seem possibly arrogant, right? But uh, also true, right? Like I learned that I'm actually a good writer. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. All of us have struggles. All of us deal with whatever we deal with. Uh, I am not a, I'm not, I don't have depression. I don't have, you know, some of the issues that other people deal with. Have I been depressed at times? Yes. Do I battle? Um, what is it? What's the one? Um, imposter syndrome. Yes. hundred percent. Right. So um, I've had people before be like, oh, you're a good writer. I've won awards. Oh yeah. Because your writing is good. But like, it's hard to believe that sometimes, even though you've got to put that coat on when you're going to sell your book or pitch it or do what you got to do, right? Like you've got to put like, I'm dope uh, on there and, and, and do the thing. Uh, but through releasing what I have um, and, and crafting this complete story um, in comic book format, again, in under two years, um, you know, on and on and on. So on the business aspect, I'm like, oh yeah, man, I'm doing pretty good. But as a person, I really feel like I know what I'm doing and I'm a hell of a good writer, uh, mm. which is, again, sometimes few and far between to feel that about yourself. Um, and for me anyway. Uh, so that was a big, you know, step for me to have someone like JL reach out, you know, mid crossover and be like, hey, I want to write something, you know, with you alongside you in, in, in collaboration and partnership with you because he is a great writer, right? Like that means a lot. Uh, it means a lot for, and, it, and it's taken a little bit of time, but uh, some of the peers in our industry to be like, nah, bro, like it's actually dope. You really, you know what I mean? Um, and, and so that honestly to me was very important because we get into this indie industry and, and JL and I have actually had this conversation offline, right? Obviously way deeper, <laughs> way more in depth, but um, you come into this and I come into this with a creative writing degree, right? So like, I'm supposed to be able to do this and people ignore you for a year and a half. That's, that, that's a long time, right? Like a year is 365 days and you're promoting yourself 365 days and people are ignoring you for 365 days. That's hard. That's, that's a really big ego blow. Um, and so getting into a place where, where I am, I had a really good friend when I, after issue one, going into issue two, like I said, then that was the struggle issue. Mm -hmm. um, he was like, you know, I'd ask him, man, what do you think about it? Like, what should I do? Blah, blah, blah. And he's still a really great friend. And he meant this from his heart in the best way possible. And he was like, 
yo, you think it was a little bit too soon? And I say this story all the time because it really means a lot to me. Yo, yeah, I mean, like maybe you should have done it, but maybe don't you think it was a little too soon? And my immediate response was, it's never too soon to follow your dreams. Um, so nightfall being what it is for me is like one tangible piece of a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tangible piece of saying, no, I can take a, a kick-ass story from beginning to end. I can do what people maybe thought I shouldn't have. I can craft these things that I've always been like, nah, man, I got this. I can craft this story. And people didn't really believe or have faith. Um, The people who maybe I was looking to, to have faith didn't, right? Because I've always had tremendous support. Um, And so being able to wrap all of this up and to bring all this together and yeah, I can look back and go, nah, man, in two years, I released two issues of justice, immortalis, her, zero you know what i mean uh three issues of nightfall now we're going on four and five like it's when you look back and you see what you've done coming from having not done it before Mm -hmm. right and been successful seven eight nine times that's huge and with good content too because there are people out there that are successful but they're successful on the like the glitz of like oh man they're cool right like oh Mm -hmm. everybody knows them so it's like let's continue to buy that but when you read the when you read the content, when you look at it, it's it's not good. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, there's a very stark difference between the two. Wingless Comics itself has always, we have a standard. Like, and it doesn't matter what's going on. Hey, look, you paid for a pinup, you paid for some pages. Yeah, that's cool, but they're not at our standard. So we're not gonna release them. Mm-hmm. This is the standard, we don't go below that. And so to be able to, to release top quality entertainment, top quality illustrations, all this stuff within a very, very short span of time and literally be able to put it up against the big two. Like I've had competitions where, you know, Superman's cover is here and then justice number one, right? And like, which one do we like better? Um, so to have that, to be put in that space is, is I can't quantify how important that is to me as a writer, to me as someone who wants to accomplish and wants to show not just himself, but but definitely himself, but show others that like it's possible that you can do this as well. And we can create something beautiful and amazing. And again, something that people said we couldn't. I cannot put a quantifiable like amount on that. I can't say, oh, it's the greatest thing ever because it goes beyond that to be able, like I said, to finish this, to be able to talk to JL and be like, yo, man, like, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to do, you know, such and such as he plans what he's going to do for any of it. And, and, and to be there in that moment of, like you said, of the conclusion of certain things, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't get to do that. You know, a lot of people are still on issue one or issue two after five, six, seven, eight years. Um, so to be on issue five, part five of Nightfall and issue going into issue three of justice and, and, and continuing the legacy of, 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 of drops. Cause her issue one is coming out this year, Lux zero Immortalis mm-hmm. issue one, Saber initiative, Avery, the astonishing issue two, uh, altered, uh, kingdom. You know what I mean? Like I can, you know what I mean? That that's, that's big. And it's not just, oh, I'm not just saying names to say names. These mm-hmm. are legitimate projects that are going to come out before the end of the year. And that, growth and that evolution like i said it can't be quantified and how important that is um, um to me as a person dope jeffrey I, I could i could echo a lot of that you know and 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 go big picture but um you know since brian did that again i could echo a lot of that. The, the ability to you know actually do this you know know that you had a story know that you had a desire to share that story 
happy and be able to tell it and have any level of um, reciprocation there with an audience, no matter how big, no matter how small, um, is huge. But to, to go, you know, the nuts and bolts route, right? I think for me as a writer, I mentioned it when I hired the editor that I've been working with and, and shout out to them. I, I, I'm very hesitant to say who I work with because not everybody wants to get 10 DMs because somebody shouted them out, but right. they know who they are and, and, and they have helped me tremendously um, to really just put blinders on again as a writer. And, and I think I have learned over the last seven issues, uh, yes, that I am a, a good writer. I'm a writer that is enough. I'm a writer that's more than enough that from that big picture. But when you take that, what do I mean when I say that? I'm a writer who can pay off a promise. I'm a writer who can build a world. I'm a writer who can um, tell stories from multiple perspectives and not lose a reader's attention. And, and so these are all things that I've learned about myself that, um, you know, go even deeper and, 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 and you can talk about the processes behind them. So the reason why I can pay off a promise is if I shared my screen right now, I could pull up the, the, the four or five windows that are open when I'm writing a not to story. And, and on one page, on one of those, you know, one of those panels that you have Anatu's backstory. So I have every every relevant piece of information about Anatu's parents. I have every relevant of inf piece of information about Anatu's military history, um, about uh, any heartbreak that he's that he's been up against. And then on another, I have you know, well, where is he going? Where do I want him to be at the end of issue four? And okay, well, I want him to be here. And, and is this the relevant time to bring up that bit about his mom? Mm, probably not. Is this the relevant time to show what he can actually do with? Um, his Yorosa, that's his, his weapon, uh, probably not. Because why would he do that? Because this is someone who's been about it. So why would he overreact to this? You know, and so, for example, Anatu's bar fight and, and his tavern fight in issue one, mm -hmm. that's, you know, staple fantasy. And, and it's also a nod to my love for Star Wars. You got to have some drama in a tavern, right? That's what it's about. And so, first of all, why did he engage? Second of all, when he engaged, why, did, why was it so quick? Why did he stop, you know? Um, there's an answer to that. And so as a writer, when I laid that groundwork initially, uh, I was concerned that uh, it, it wouldn't carry and it wouldn't follow through. But I've learned over telling these, these seven, seven pieces of this story that no, what I laid down did work. And it was because I had the process behind me that said, okay, this is relevant. This is relevant. But when do we share it? And, and, and when we share it is it's, it's like a, it's like a circle again, you know, it's where do I want an author to be on this secular journey at this given point in time. And, and right now where I have a not to at the end of book seven, if you look quickly and you're not paying attention, it's almost exactly where I had him at the end of book one, mm -hmm. except, you know, some things have happened and, and he's gained some clarity and, and we've seen some things. And, and so he's not the same person that he was. And, and so for me, I've learned that as a writer, I can trust my process. And, uh, and even further that you need a process as a writer. And, and because if I didn't have those things uh, that I intuited in the beginning, right? Cause I hadn't done this before. I'd written scripts before, but I'd never worked with artists. I could never get an artist to say, yes, I'll, I'll draw that. Or, it was probably because I didn't put that level of work into the other stories that I was trying to write. Mm -hmm. and so I think process is key. Trusting your process is even more important and then executing on that because, you know, like Brian said, and I, I'll just pass it off after this, there are a lot of people and the conversation that he's alluded to that we've had offline is one that we 
we have a lot. I'm often bringing it up because I get in my feelings a lot. Um, <laughs> we um, get but, in our feelings a lot. It's fair, fair, fair. It's usually the same time. <laughs> it, it's usually, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, you saw that too. All right, cool. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, but the, the, the point is that I, there's, there's so much um, that I wish I could say. There's so much that I wish I could do. And as a writer, you, you know, you almost want to show off, you know, you want to, you want people to know what you're capable of, you want people to know what you're doing, but then you remember, well, that's all in the process, and it's all in trust in the process, and so almost like a not to, I find myself, you know, I'm right back where I was at the beginning of arc one, yeah, not that many people have read it, not that many people know what any of the rule of nine is, but here I am again, starting another journey on another story arc, but I'm a completely different person, and so I think that that is, that's key, it's just, process 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 trust that process and then execute on it man i mean to to put it plainly i mean i've had the opportunity to read both your both your storylines in in unison together and it's been it's been a journey for like the past couple of years just basically not only to get getting to know the characters but getting to know the both of you you know the, the way that like me as a reader and just having the synopsis of just like picking up the book and seeing exactly uh, what is going on inside both of you's brain to actually have uh, a relationship with the both of you from the beginning, from when you were both putting out your, your books initially makes it even more, I guess, humbling that, you know, like, I've gotten a peek inside of your brain and I know where these stories are derivative from. So for that, I thank the both of you. So, um, Brian, let us know where we can get nightfall four and five. Well, I want to say thank you first of all, again, for the platform, right? Because, um, I've said it before, there are some, podcasts podcasts are everywhere like everybody's got a yeah, podcast but there are some that really bring that quantitative um discussion and, and and energy that's actually necessary for what we do in this creative field and this is one of them so i'm always actually i hit you up i think more than you hit me up i'm like yo when can i can i get back on like yeah. we want to talk again yeah um because i i genuinely enjoy these conversations uh so having said that uh, Wingless Comics is on Kickstarter right now for Nightfall issue four and five. Um, it's called Nightfall, the finale. You can't miss it. You can type in Nightfall. You can type in Wingless Comics. We are um, the top hit on both. <clears throat> uh, we are currently, I think, at round, right around 4,600. We've got about 16 or 17 days left. I, I'm off because I'm not looking at it uh, exactly, but we're still, we're still in. We're going to March 18th. But also Kickstarter's math is really weird with the days. If you've been on Kickstarter, you understand that. Like it never matches up with what it's, it's supposed true. to be. Um, we're also online on um, Instagram, wingless underscore comics. On Facebook, wingless comics. Uh, on Twitter, wingless entertainment. You can Google wingless comics. We are the only one. We are around. We are everywhere. We're very accessible. Um, you can get the books online, uh, www.winglessent.com. We got merch, shop, the whole deal. Um, and, uh, again, we have no plans to stop and I can't wait until issue five is done and we can get these books out to everybody. We can get some trades to all the, uh, you know, the media and the friends and the family so that we can actually move that out as well. It's been an accomplishment and I appreciate everybody that supported this journey, listened in and been part of it. 
I, again, I can't quantify how much that means to me. That's dope, man. All right. So, Jeffrey, you're, you're coming up, man, in a, in a few weeks. So, yeah, so, how, how so can we get to it? <laughs> any of the rule of nine will be back on Kickstarter for the fifth time on March 21st. Um, and we'll be launching at noon EST. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ennead underscore comic. Um, and you can also go to EnneadComic.com, follow me there. Uh, you know, but also just to, to piggyback off what Brian said about your platform in particular, you know, I too am, I'm, I'm more eager to just have a conversation with you, right? Especially because your, your knowledge of our stories is probably unmatched, you know, when it comes to other readers, but also just of the, the sandbox we're playing in, right? So having a conversation with you, you know, you know that you might get a question that references Tolkien, you might get a question that references, you know, Christianity, you might get a question that references the origin story of Captain America, you don't know, right? Where are we going? Where's this conversation going to go? So not only does it, you know, lead to interesting discussion, but it challenges, you know, in, in real time, a creator or a guest to, to really, you know, understand what, the, what they're, what they're doing. And I think I've always appreciated that. Um, and, you know, I was, at, I'm, I'm about halfway through your episode before this, uh, the gentleman who has the, uh, the digital kind of uh, shonen comic going on, on, on Substack. And, and, and I genuinely like to listen to your show for that reason. You know, I'm not necessarily interested in all of the things that your guests bring to the table, but you've created a platform where, you know you're going to get genuine conversation. You know you're going to get good questions. You know you're going to get to, um, you know, a, a point where you you walk away having heard something of substance, right? And so again, I, I I'm always happy to be on, and, and I think it's very cool. I think back to our first conversation when you were going live on Instagram, yeah. and uh, you know just just getting on there and and genuinely, yes, obviously we all we all do things because they are mutually beneficial, right? But after the first time I spoke to you, it was never about, oh, let me tap into the platform. It was like, oh, I got to talk to James again because he, he just read this and I know he's going to, I don't know what he's going to ask me, but he's going to have something about this and it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be great. And, and so uh, I've, I've always appreciated being on. And, and again, we go to Kickstarter on, on March 21st. I'm a big believer, uh, like I mentioned offline, I'm, I'm still at work. I, I work at a CrossFit gym. And I'm a big believer that by the time you get to the competition floor, the work has been done. And, you know, I think that the last two years um, have shown what any it is. And, and, and this Kickstarter, although it's important, it's not going to define what any it's going to be. Um, I, I'm ready to hit launch. I, I wake up every day and I'm like, man, I should just hit it now. Because that, that, that's how I feel. Almost like what Brian said before. It's like, you know, when, when and, and by the way, since we're still here, um, you, I, I, I think it's funny that when you referenced basketball, I brought up LeBron and he brought up Jordan and I think we could we could have a sidebar conversation right there if we wanted to. Um, oh, man. It might be the that might be the one thing we 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 didn't say in tandem the entire right. time. Right. And so I think that's interesting. Um, but the, the point that Brian made there was sometimes you know like you know if you win that 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 first that first game on your opponent's floor in the NBA you know and you know that that's tough that's tough to come back because you took their heart you took their soul and I think for me as a writer. Um, the work has been done, you know, when people look back and realize what they were ignoring, like Brian said, for the last two years, the work is there. So I I'm excited. I'm excited to hit launch. We, we've got a full trade coming over 160 pages offered in black and white and full color. And if you enjoy fantasy, 
I recommend you check it out. So, I mean, it's, it's heartfelt. <laughs> I appreciate the both of you brothers as someone who respects both of your crafts. I thank you for the stories that you're giving. I'm looking forward to the conclusion of both your books and what's to come from both of you in the future. So I'm pretty sure that 2022 is just going to be amazing. So from James Grandmaster Facts Boys, Jeffrey L. Johnson, Brian Lambert, we are out. Mm -hmm.